welcome to 89. You're in Joburg. It's an intimate gathering. Beverages are being enjoyed. Why don't we talk color? But let me introduce some folks first. I guess let's start in South Africa. <laughs> Tonight I am outnumbered. But this is Shutterbug Steve representing the South Coast. Very nice. And over in the beautiful, uh, I guess they're having beautiful days in Columbus, Ohio, we have... This is Plastic Battles Paul, coming to you from the Midwest. Plastic Battles, uh, a member of the G.I. Joe community. Seems like those folks are getting fleshed out nowadays. Uh, just a quick uh, file card on you, Paul, since you're new to the, the Geoberg scene. You into photography? What kind of What kind of got you into Joe's, or was it the other way around? Yeah, I was definitely into Joe's uh, first since, you know, I was born in 76, so you could say since the beginning of the Real American Hero run since 82. And then as far as photography goes, um, really the, the G.I. Joe, the catalog inserts in like Sears Wish Books and, and that kind of photography got me into product photography. And then as I went through college as a communications design major, um, I ended up doing a lot of photography for my own projects. Right on. Did the file card art kind of feel that fire at all? Yeah, as far as as far as like creatively goes, um, the file card art and the logos, you know, Cobra logo, Joe logo, and all the individual logos on the vehicles and stuff and patches got me into illustration and logo design. So my brother and I both started drawing comic books just for ourselves uh, when we were probably in about eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade, and we continued to do that right through high school. Hmm. By way of introduction, I think it's important that every single G.I. Joe book guest, and it is a select few, you are number three. Oh, that's it, really? That's it. Wow. We don't make a habit of playing with strangers. <laughs> but by way of introduction, you have to give us your number one figure and vehicle, if you please. Number one figure is 1984 Rakondo, which I just posted on my Instagram today. Sick. And uh, he's like the perfect figure to me. And favorite vehicle, there's so many. Right now, I would have to go with, whew, I don't know. I'm looking at a Cobra Bug, so I might have to go Cobra Bug right now. Very, very cool and very on topic almost. You should have been here about a week ago when we put out an episode about the, the toys from 1988 uh, and how fucking cool they are <laughs> they are the cobra bug is is uh what is it about it it's just a freak mobile but it's gorgeous yeah it's not typically a vehicle that i would like because it's so futuristic and weird but i don't know i've always had an affinity for it for some reason mm. yeah man. it looks like space lab i think that's kind of what it evokes is that adventure underwater stuff you know what I always uh, would always do with the cobra bug and the cobra hammerhead because i was one of those lucky kids who had both I would shutter all the windows, switch off all the lights, draw all the curtains, create some kind of cave environment with blankets and beds and furniture and stuff. And me and my buddies would just like sort of deep sea dive this trench. Like Cobra needed to infiltrate some top secret installation, uh, which was on the bottom of the seabed. And in order to make this approach, they'd have to go through this incredible uh, underwater ravine and of course like would they make it through that narrow rut 
they sort of scrape off one of the missiles. It gets risky. Oh my god! They spring a leak. You, you know, all those tropes are like heavily in play, and it's it's one of those really tense situations where it's not about guns blazing. It's literally about how do we survive this mission? We've been tasked with this insane objective. Let's get it done, Cobra. So yeah, the bug yeah. is way up there. But you said Ricondo is as close to the perfect figure as you're likely to get. I mean, you use the word perfect, right? What makes a perfect action figure? I think what makes Ricondo the perfect figure for me is he hits all the notes that I'm looking for. So basically his gear, his dress... Uh, the hat, and, and I like the fact that it's not removable because then it doesn't get oversized, so it's the perfect size. His mustache, I mean, <laughs> it's probably the most badass mustache in the line. And then he's got, of course, awesome camo pattern, and his his rifle with that kind of cloth wrapped around it is amazing. Mm. Um, and then the card art is spot on, and his and his code name is one of the coolest code names, and it like, if you see the word Rakan, if you don't know anything about G.I. Joe and you saw a picture of that guy and a list of code names, you could probably pick his code name out. It just fits him perfectly. Right. So, um, I just, yeah, and I just love it. And at the time, you know, when he came out in 84, you know, we're coming off of 82, 83, everyone's green, um, real military. And then you get into this and he's got this tan outfit with the green camo. So he's still military, but he looks completely different than the previous line. I think that was pretty cool. Oh, yes. Cool. You've made a very compelling case, sir. It occurs to me, we've probably never gotten Cujo's best figure and best vehicle, but if I was to guess, I'd say, like, Firefly and the Night Landing. How close I, are I don't want to talk about myself right now, brother. All right, all right. More pressing matters. Cujo is the master of uh, ceremonies this evening. I'm going to be Sideshow Steve. Well, we're winging it, and you're, like, five deep, so, yeah. Um, Six. Nice. Uh, well, I, I do have to comment, first of all, that story about the ravine, Stephen. I hope that was a metaphor for your young life and, and those experiences. Um, but <laughs> what are you trying to say, dude? Nothing. Nothing. It's check the ravines. tape, brother. That was beautiful. No, I think uh, you can't get past Ricondo. He's a one of a kind. And I think since Stephen, I think, what was it in our international card episode or something? Didn't you reveal that he was actually from Australia? And um, I like I like that. I like well, that. okay, uh, <laughs> that that was that was taking some creative license, I suppose. In Action Force continuity, they made Ricondo a Australian SAS member, but I mean that that, that doesn't really touch sides with the the GI Joe representation of the character. How does that hit you, Paul? I, I think it fits. I mean, he he could definitely look Australian if you didn't know. And uh, SAS, of course. I mean, he's just got that mustache and that hat. You know, he looks like he could be right out of World War II a little bit too, on the British side. So, but uh, you know, I think I think the U.S. card says he's from Wisconsin. I want to say but Wheaton, Wisconsin, I, if, I, if memory memory serves. Yeah, something we, like that, which doesn't seem as accurate. We got an affiliate called JD who can recall card information just like on a whim. So shout out oh. to you, JD. Where are you tonight? <laughs> well, b before we get too deep, uh, does anybody have any new stuff they want to chat up just right quick? New acquisitions? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Anything. Well, you got new happenings. I know you're about to head to a con, but mm -hmm. I mean, I think we can talk that back end on the way out. Any okay. new toys to hit your hands? Anything like that? 
I got a few things in the last couple of weeks that are pretty awesome. I got uh, the Mail Away um, Vamp Mark II, the light tan version with the tan hubcaps, which is pretty sweet. It, and with no stickers on it, which I kind of like because I can order some repro stickers and get them put on there so there's no uh, goo leaking out behind them. So that was pretty exciting. I didn't think I would have that because it's kind of rare. And uh, and I also picked up a mint in box Silver Pads Grand Slam jet pa- or, uh, jump pack, which is cool. All right. Steven, are you still alive? Yeah, man. Just had to fix myself a, a little, um, I don't know, hair of the dog, a little chaser. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> I got a a, a package um, sent via Cujo. Uh, it uh, it contains some some X Men figures that I've been chasing down. I like the idea of having the classic X Men in a three and three quarter inch scale or four inch scale. So I got Nightcrawler and Iceman. But enough about those guys. Cujo decided to insert a all white Boba Fett into the package. And um, won't you tell me about that choice, Cujo? Did he just happen to be lying around? And you're like. You know, I think Steven needs this in his life. Because, uh, let me just say, it's a fucking cool figure. Damn. Well, you don't send packages to South Africa too often. So I figured I had to send a U.S. ambassador. and to send the white man. <laughs> you, you know, nobody says the U.S. like a dude that, that only cares about money. So uh, I did send a mail-away fet figure that you had to buy a bunch of, you know, random guys to get the... Uh, all that stuff. Um, no ways. Is there a backstory to that? I had no idea how you acquired him. Because I've got the Macquarie... Uh, it came with a collector's coin, sort of white Boba Fett. It's got the concept head sculpt and body sculpt. But this is like a legit proper Boba Fett, but in white. It's like the Black Series one, but smaller. Well. Yeah, make in- sure you wash your hands, uh, damn it. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean... Uh, it's it's a good figure, and if we ever have to play spin the bottle again, you, I think I know who will represent. Uh, yeah, uh, I hope the listeners and Paul um, understand the reference. And if you don't, it had nothing to do with. Um, yeah, there's some hockey. context there. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from that, uh, maybe it's maybe I should crack open another one of um, the vehicles that that were sent. Uh, to the channel, to 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 our podcast group, uh, via Quality Joe's, um, fantastic stuff uh, that arrived in the mail some time back. But I've decided to discuss it piecemeal. What do you guys think of the the heavy artillery laser, the Hell from 1982? Does anyone have any uh, memories attached to this piece of equipment? Only the name, because it makes me think about 2001. Aside from that, not precisely, much. Precisely, precisely. It's bigger than I ever imagined it to be. It is a substantial towable weapon, which is cool. So many towable weapon systems are like basic pack-ins. They're like, uh, were designed at that lower price point, you know, just kind of stocking filler size boxes. But the hell is, it's a substantial piece of equipment. I mean, it's, you know, it's every bit the size of, uh, I imagine, what... uh, how you'd get a vamp, you know, in terms of the box size. Uh, it is a really, really cool, well-sculpted, beautifully, beautifully presented uh, piece of equipment. You know, it clicks into position quite sturdily. Uh, it's just smooth and green and powerful. It looks like something that would 
Yeah, you'd snap off around and a plane would fall out of the sky. Hmm. Hmm. Tasty. Yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty. I mean, all those towable weapon systems, um, you know, the the whirlwind and all those stuff, I thought were pretty awesome back then. And uh, I didn't have the hell, my brother did, but so I got enough time to play with it. But yeah, I, I always liked the sculpts of those. They were so detailed. And there were so many little little hidden things on those uh, those initial. Plus, you needed to get a vehicle to tow it, which was great. So, <laughs> so good. So good if you got one of those. Yeah, you could convince your parents to be like, well, I can't drive this thing anywhere. I need something to tow it around so they can go get an APC or a vamp or something to tow it around with, you know? You know what? You'd think the APC would have a tow hook, but oh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't have a hitch. But, I mean, for the longest time, I always resisted the towable weapon systems because of that fact. I was like, as a kid, I was like, this sucks. Why would I ever prioritize ever getting something that can't move under its own power? As an adult, you realize it's part of the world building. It's part of, like, the the brand that G.I. Joe was. It was more than just jeeps, tanks, and helicopters. It was, like, cannons, emplacements, tents, bases, radar systems. I mean, it was like, yeah. They, they had the, 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 the wherewithal and the, I suppose, the brand power that, that allowed them to build things that weren't um obvious cells obvious cash-ins like it's it's easy to move a helicopter it's less easy to move you know a, an awkward large gun that has two wheels my god and... man sorry Abort. like i say i see the i see the value in it as an adult i would not have seen the value in it as a child Except, of course, as Paul just mentioned, to try and twist my parents' arm to get more yeah, toys. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Shrewd. God bless America. You know, the headquarters has the, the I guess if you're looking at it, the left-hand side, I think, or one of those sides there has the little emplacements like kind of built into the mold for each of those towable weapon systems to sit perfectly inside the bay. It's so, brilliant. It's yeah, so good. I, when that little gem was revealed to me, I lost my mind promptly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that's fantastic. I mean, those the I feel like they put a lot of thought in this stuff early on. You know, it it'd be nice if the later stuff had that kind of synergy. Like, I wish mm-hmm. all all the vehicles in '87 fit together well in some kind of interactivity. Instead, we got the Future Fortress, which doesn't fit together at all. <laughs> I mean, like, where, it was it was completely different people designing these toys. Clearly, uh, what did you did you have more to unveil, Stephen? I think I'll leave it there, man. I could all talk right. for ages, but uh, then I'd be uh, you know being my usual self, and I vowed I wouldn't be tonight. <laughs> well, we gotta we gotta talk colorfulness here in a second, but I think we should just take a quick stroll through. And I know you love to talk collectors club, Stephen, but it is conversational worthy stateside uh, for for these last remaining Joe fans. I, did anybody really hit you? All the figures have been unveiled. Um, I'll, I'll take a quick kind of just walk through myself. Nobody has really spoken too much on the worms officer. Uh, oh, why did you do that? Lead with the shit. Well, I I, I do want to I, I was just thinking like yeah, conversation. The only thing that I have really negative shit to say about. But well, that's continue. that's kind of the thing. Like you think when you talk action figures, you're not talking about shapes like this. And I I so I grapple with that, and I also wonder like 
the cloth parts, I don't really know if that adds to a figure. Um, I guess I'll let you, you gentlemen weigh in on that. But, you know, this figure could be saved if he has, like, a Colonel Mustard mustache underneath there. <laughs> but that's really the only way. Did you guys have any – I mean, obviously, Stephen, you, you think this, this is hot trash. Did you have any thoughts on this, Paul? Uh, as far as worms goes, I think I, – I feel like it needs more taper in his waist. I, I feel like it's just like a tube that goes down to his crotch, and then it's just some legs shooting out underneath. Santa that, worms or something. Yeah, just that or he's been he's been hitting the cookies hard while he's sitting in the maggot. You know, he's just kind of got that 45, 50 year old man body now. I, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Usually it's the opposite with these guys. I feel like modern era figures a lot of times look anorexic to me, you know, especially the legs. So I don't know. I the the figure subscription service is not something that I've ever actually subscribed to. Yeah, I don't know. That's fair. Steven, did I shut you down on worms or no? I I don't really have anything to add. I mean, I know you want to talk about worms. Come on now. No, Paul, um, Paul, Paul hit the nail on the head. Like, what was the biggest detractor of the modern era lowlight? That enormous body armor. It just gets in the way of his movement. And that's a sniper figure. You need him to be able to move. With worms, okay, he'd be sitting in your tank assuming a modern era figure can look With good in a, in a maggot but the yeah the jacket is boxy and awful and like the ascots and the jacket i feel like they basically are padding out what this figure comes with because you know you read the breakdowns and you're like worms comes with cloth ascots comes with removable jacket well no the ascot is butt ugly and the removable jacket i mean he looks silly with it on he would probably look ridiculous with it off because he's got, you know, those really puffed out uh, arm sculpts. So yeah, it's, he'd probably be it's kind of really a skinny. On both. The humanity. Like, yeah. Mm. Or he could just maybe his belt tightens. <laughs> his belt. <laughs> um. Well, let's 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 go from bad to good then. Or it's or just such an elegant. Good. It's such an elegant, strange-looking cobra figure that they've not really done justice to. I mean. I, I could go on, but I'm not gonna. Um, it's a beautiful vintage about, toy, is what it is. Let's talk about the best thing that the Collectors Club has possibly ever done, and that's created maybe the apex melee weapon in the G.I. Joe brand, and that is Guillotine's sword. Did you guys have any first impressions on this potential knife or sword? I, I think it's uh, it's the most it's the best looking figure and his accessories in, in the subscription service six, I think for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. It reminds me a lot of, it gives me that predator vibe. You know what I mean? So that's pretty cool. I, I think call. if I, if I was going to get a figure from this whole set, it would be, that would be the guy I would get. And his accessories are part of that reason. Steven, you got words for skull sword. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'd be a liar if I had an opinion. I haven't actually seen it. Oh, no, no Terrible worries, brother. G.I. Joe correspondent. This. Well, <laughs> that is soldier. I, I'll say this. If I'm thinking about like if I'm putting a bunch of Joes in a, a gladiatorial setting, I got to have guillotine sword in there. I got to have uh, road pigs hammer. Is there any other must have melee weapons in there? In this service here? In the... No, just overall in the Joe in the, brand. In the Joe what brand? What weapon would you want in a melee setting? Let's just go personal taste. 
If you're in a gladiatorial arena, what melee weapon do you want? You know what? I, I always loved uh, 89 uh, Snake Eyes's whatever that was. You know what I'm talking about? The three links? Three section small... stuff. Yeah. yeah. Do you think you could handle that thing in an arena, though? I'm talking personally. I would need a, a ton of training. Okay. <laughs> There's no way. I'd hit myself in the face on the yeah. first swing. <laughs> I don't know. Steven, what are you taking into the battle? A lightsaber? Oh, wait. No, you got Joe Wrong accessories. Toy line. Joe accessories. Um, okay, well, you know what? They always played up Buzz's chainsaw to having, like, diamond teeth. So oh, it's like yeah. a chainsaw, but you could also pawn it on the aftermarket. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, well, I mean, just as a melee weapon, to have something motorized like that uh, kind of do the work for you. So it's kind of like a lightsaber. <laughs> Kind of like a cheat, man. Yeah, well, um, you know me, bro. I'm always going to invoke some kind of curve. Or you could just take Tollbooth's sweet sledgehammer going with that. Nice. That's not bad. Well, Didn't yeah. Ice Swiper have a couple size? Yeah, which yeah. I always thought was weird because I'm like, yeah. did they plan on him being a ninja at some point? You know? I don't, I don't know. It's weird. Very suggestive. I, I think like the, the motivation was, like, if your rifle freezes, at least you can rely on cold steel, but absolutely. Or maybe that's bat- the ice creepers for the witch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But with a balaclava face, yeah, man, he was totally the ice ninja. Craziness. All right, I, I guess we don't have to talk uh, subscription service anymore. Um, but I will say that if you're looking for some G, like good G.I. Joe blog in these days, I would direct you to Joe Battle Lines because he's just kind of witty. And it's easy reading. Yeah, I love that site. Yeah, Fred Mayer. Yeah, man. And also, uh, I think I think those guys might be our competition with the other GI Joe podcast. But you know how that goes. What other podcast? <laughs> they have a YouTube affair. Um, yeah, they don't they don't talk in the same circles we do. So I think both conversations are relevant. Uh, just in case you weren't aware of that, you guys want to talk photography and whatnot, colors, photography and whatnot. Sure. Yeah, I'm down. Let's let's do it. Well, just in case anyone's wondering, Paul's got some credentials. The man is an action figure photographer par excellence. Do you want to drop us your your Instagram deets, sir? Sure. Yeah, it's just uh, plastic battles, one word. Mm-hmm. You can find him there or on Twitter. I mean, have a flick through his 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 catalog. It's fucking cool. If you Thanks, like GI Joe figures, vehicles in cool settings with really, really tasteful photography. This guy's your man. Um, Thank you. Thank you for lending us your images. Oh, yeah, anytime. That was great. Much appreciated. I had a a sweet plan for it, and it was like 50, 60-mile-per-hour winds the day I was doing it, so I couldn't. I was going to try to prop it up on a couple wires out of the ground and have it flying in. Then I was going to use some cotton on the back of a missile to make it look like it was firing a missile, but, yeah, didn't work out. Well, G.I. Joe North by Northwest? Yeah, yeah, right. I think it's true to say that there is no – there's no limit to the amount of energy and and expense and, and effort that can go into getting the perfect shot. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I mean, Im- impressive, it's- man. I've spent time out a few times where maybe an hour out there or two shooting and coming back and not liking anything and just erasing everything and 
wait till the next day, you know? So it it could be frustrating or it could be great. You know, you could get it the first shot, you know, if you get lucky. So Well, that's a level of quality control that I, I <laughs> will probably never possess. To come away from an entire day's work and delete everything, whew, you are ruthless, sir. But I admire it. I mean, the, the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating and your, your pudding is... Tasty. My God, the metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I forgot what I was going to say after that, Stephen. Um, but I, I will say I've noticed styles. You like forced perspective. Is there a director that keyed you in on that, like maybe from cinema? Or is it just something that you've noticed in, in other photography that you like? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's probably a mix of just following some of my uh, preferred looks as far as playing with composition and using like splitting the image into three and using rule of thirds um so that's one one thing i do what actually um from cinema my one of my favorite directors is wes anderson but he centers everything and everything's perfectly symmetrical on either side and that's something where i'd like to get into doing some shots that way but i that's a lot of planning so um i would plan those out ahead of time and i do sometimes uh, sketch things out ahead of time in a little notebook and make thumbnail sketches of what I want to do. And then I might have to put a list next to it of props and things I need for that shot so that I can have all that ready before I go out and shoot it. Um, and that comes kind of from in my day job. I'm a, I'm an art, like an art director and a, for, a, for a brand with three different, um, a company with three different brands and I art direct shoot. So I just came off one this what? week, actually. Yeah, you mean they are toys direct- don't pay your bills? No, not yet. Oh, Unless damn. Hasbro's listening, they can they can hire me to do this. But that would be the dream, right? Instead of directing photo shoots for women's handbags and things, is what I do. So. Damn it. You, you take the pictures. I'll be the mouthpiece. And Cujo, I don't know, you can uh, drop <laughs> I'll be the, the fire deals. starter. Nice. Um, <laughs> Hire us. <laughs> no, I, actually, that bit about you doing photos of handbags that's on your file card dude you know it is this dude used to do photo shoots with handbags yeah. now he's sniping you know <laughs> yeah with slippers and handbags now he's yeah. now he's a embedded wartime photographer you know i like it you mentioned rule of threes to yeah. a complete uh arts and photography uh noob what does that mean all right so if you um I mean, everyone's pretty much got a uh, cell phone that takes photos these days, right? So if you um, – in, in most of these photos – and this is probably where you're going to see it the most if you, if you have a um, cell phone in your pocket – is you can go into settings in the camera and turn on these lines that go across. So when you're taking a photo, you see these kind of two sets of lines running uh, horizontal and then another two running uh, vertically, and that basically splits – the frame into three whether you're shooting vertically or horizontally so that way you basically have three different sections to every photograph and then by placing the subject matter on or near one of those lines so basically if you look at you know if you've got three sections you have two lines for example running vertically up and down so if you place the subject matter close to the left line or close to the right line it's more interesting to the eye than just placing it dead center my god good to know bro <laughs> i i do a little bit of amateur photography myself i'm gonna <laughs> switch all my lines definitely makes a difference it's like these little tricks that you almost feel like you're you're cheating these days you know you're like oh i turn these lines on i just put the guy on the line it looks great <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah. 
Well, I'm, I mean, when it comes to photography and stuff, uh, colors obviously matter a lot. Uh, I was thinking about the Joe color wheel and you guys can definitely uh, dissent anything I say. Uh, if you're going with primary colors, red, blue, and yellow, like to me, when I'm thinking red, I think wild weasel blue. I mean, you, you just think any Cobra, but yellow, you got to go airtight. Do you guys see those colors any different in your Joe color wheel? Hmm. Red, I, I, wild weasel, I'd agree, but I probably do a crimson guardsman first on that okay. one. Uh, blue, definitely, yeah, obviously a cobra officer, soldier, or whatever they call them these days, trooper. I still call them soldiers. So those, and then uh, yellow, I kind of, I, I kind of go secto viper first, and then maybe airtight second on that. All right. But no, he's up there for sure. <laughs> You're asking me an artistic question. My God. Um, well, all I can do is uh, relate this back to action figures and, and my first brushings with them. Uh, before I knew of Airtight and before I knew of Sector Viper, can you believe it? I knew of the Eco Warriors uh, clean, <laughs> clean Sweep figure. Now, that guy was a whole lot of yellow. Uh, head, <laughs> almost head to toe yellow uh, suit, sort of hazmat suit. And a giant yellow sort of toxo or anti-tox tracked vehicle that he came with. Like, I saw this guy on a blister card. I was like, wow, I get so much stuff with this figure. Uh, and immediately picked him up. Fully anticipating that his really small green pistol would be the water firing weapon. And being absolutely crestfallen when realizing, no, they haven't managed to manufacture a miniature water pistol that the... Uh, the tank, <laughs> the tracked vehicle was the sort of the um, syringe style uh, water weapon. I was like, oh, this sucks. He's one of the few figures I've never had, his clean sweep. He's the professor, man. They, they look so bookish. Him yeah. and Ozone, they're like the PhD squad. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> He's cool now when I look at him, but I remember getting Flint, the Eagle Warriors Flint, and that was about the time I was getting out. I was in high school and stuff, and I'm like, I don't know. And then... Uh, yeah, I just kind of, I just kind of got out of it at that point. I feel like they were just trying to copy Captain Planet, Let's, you know? Absolutely, dude. A shameless cash in on the sort of ecological push of the '90s. But that Flint figure was the weakest of the lot, uh, and I'm including the Cobras in that in that mix. I'd say Clean Sweepers. It's a good design for a hazmat oh, suit. Yeah. That's it's removable. Interesting face sculpt underneath, like brown boots and brown gloves. It looks believable. As mm -hmm. opposed to like, yeah, what is on the the, the Eco Warrior Flint's chest? Like, what is all that stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that kind of uh, alludes to an interesting question for me. But Stephen, did you have somebody that you wanted to rep the the red color in in our color wheel? I've got to give an answer, right? Damn it. Yeah. Why why are you gonna catch me off guard like this, inebriated and whatnot? Red, 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 red. What red, makes you red. see red, man? No, dude, this is... You got nothing? I'm, I'm yeah. Oh, Lifeline, Lifeline. Oh, oh that's first, a good one. My very first G.I. Joe figure, Lifeline. Good Damn. save. Put a medic in red. Well, look, not even a medic. Lifeline, as he was kind of shopped to us originally, is a sort of a rescue trooper. Whether the building is burning down or whether you're trapped on top of an inaccessible peak, he's the guy... You know, abseiling down from the helicopter, 
pulling your ass out of the fire. I mean, he's a rescue guy. He's not necessarily just a field medic. He's a jack of all trades when it comes to to just rescue operations. So you can imagine him like white water rafting down a, a narrow uh, river. You know, he's just like that that adventure dude who is more about saving the human life than taking well, them. I mean, I think Lifeline got a lot of screen time because of the composition. I mean, it, you could put a red character on screen a lot. But I guess uh, that leads to uh, just that, that question, Paul. When you said you were falling out of G.I. Joe at that time, what kind of caused that break for you? Was it just kind of growing up or was it like a storyline where you're like, no, I'm not feeling it? Or was it like the movie where it was Cobra Law that you were like, nope? No, actually, when I was a kid, I mean, I thought the movie was great. And I think the movie was it was more about the animation, like the animation was really stepped up, I think, for the movie than it was in the in the regular series. You know, I wasn't a big fan of Cobra Law, but I just liked the movie itself. And the opening intro was amazing. So it wasn't that. I mean, that was, what, 87? And I was still hardcore into it, into the early 90s there, like 90. But then, um, even though I was in high school, I still wanted to collect Joes. It just got to the point where all the weapons and everything were neon, and I didn't I didn't dig that. And then they started, you could tell, like, the plastic quality or something was uh, was different than, than earlier. And the color app started getting really weird, other than neon, like... There was a low light, you know, 90, was it 91 low light? I'm like, this is, he's got black hair. Why, why is this low light different than the last low light? And uh, that stuff actually got me hot. Like I was, I remember being pissed uh, at all this stuff. And, and then, um, and then like the eco warriors came out and then when it got into star brigade and stuff, I'm like, I am completely out like the monsters and just, just, it was just so unbelievable at that point that I wanted to have nothing to do with it. I was I was more mad at them than anything else for for just going down that route to try to like compete with TMNT and you know Captain Planet. I'm like you should be leading, not following. And then I kind of just got out of it because of that. That makes sense. I can definitely yeah. empathize with that. Dude, it's weird that it doesn't seem to matter if it's fandom or fiction or reality. When there's a break in continuity, you still feel it the same. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I would compare, like, I, that's, I, it, we're probably not ready for that discussion, but I did want to get into, uh, I, I've noticed when you, when you take some shots and, and by the way, brother, you got to drop some like embedded shots on Twitter so we can flex them on, uh, on, on Joburg. Yeah. You always have yeah. links. Drives me nuts, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I, I know that a good picture tells a story. Uh, people like Mike Zek have demonstrated that better than most in the Joe line. I, I'm I'm reminded of a picture of like Copperhead creeping on Slaughter, maybe. Um, yeah. In right. one of your photos, is that something that you strive for? Are you looking to tell a story, or or do you like to kind of catch somebody in a pose? Right. I think you know um, telling a story is half the well, no pun intended, but it's half the <laughs> battle, right? Um, so there are times where I just get a cool shot. And I like how it looks, but, you know, like, for example, today I took that Ricardo shot, or actually it was last night, you know, sun setting, and I kind of, he's kind of silhouetted on there, and he's not doing much, but I filled in the gap on the visual story with an actual caption that told a story. So um, so I like to try to meet in the middle. So if I have an idea that I've sketched out or I have when I, when I go out and, and 
somewhere into the woods and I shoot, then I'll try to capture that story visually. If it's more, I just want to shoot some figures, I don't post it unless I feel like I have some kind of story. Even if it's just a quick one sentence, little snarky comment, something to kind of give the idea that there's something going on other than just toys sitting outside. Yeah. So I think story's super important. I guess uh, just one final question that kind of interests me. Uh, whenever I see something become like a thing, uh, you see a lot of toy photography. I think I follow somebody from Japan that does these incredible like Freddie Mercury, Bruce Lee uh, team up pictures and stuff. Uh, their action mm-hmm. figures. So it's it's definitely out. When you see things evolve, wh- where do you see this headed next? Like what would be the next level of toy photography for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I know that I'd say in the last two two maybe three four years it's kind of blown up where you know there was people doing it years ago but it was very very limited and uh you know these days if you do a search like a hashtag toy photography or something on instagram you're going to get 95 percent you know either star wars or marvel or dc figures you know um and then there's everything else is kind of mixed in a little bit uh but then in the last year or so there's been a lot more kind of joe photographers and I'm curious to see where it goes. You know, it could be one of those things that kind of everyone does for a while and then a bunch of accounts kind of just drop off and people just don't do it anymore. Um, I kind of I'm almost anticipating that in a sense where you'll have a good amount of people jump on it, post a few times and then their accounts just kind of sit and they don't they don't post anything anymore. But I, I don't know. I It's hard to tell where it goes. You know, it could be driven by a new toy line, new figures that kind of find a new audience and then they come in, or it could be driven on the other end where a toy line doesn't release product like GI Joe, maybe, you know, and then that take, it makes, makes it harder for the people doing that kind of photography to keep up with doing new stuff. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to gauge, you know, I, you wouldn't predict that this would be a thing a few years ago and now it is. So you now I have from when I was a kid and it, it's, you know, it's something that I'm going to post uh, eventually it's kind of, I have it tied to something else, but I have some Polaroids from when I was probably, God, I, I don't know. I'm going to say eight, nine, 10 years old, something like that where I, I, I put, yeah, I set up Joe's in the backyard <laughs> and used a Polaroid camera to take photos. So I, you know, I've been doing it since then. So they're in a photo album somewhere and I have to go to my dad's house and dig it out, but I'm going to post those eventually. Jeez. Like looking through a portal in time. Yeah, yeah. It'd be an interesting study. Like, see what was going through your mind at age, what, eight, nine, ten? Like, yeah, I think it was like a thing where my mom, you know, she had a couple cameras laying around, and I would, I would take them outside, and either there's a there's a photo on my Instagram now that's me and my brother and a friend of ours that were all posed in our, like, with our like Entertech machine guns and my dad's beret from Vietnam, and we're all posed outside, and I, I stole her. Her point, like I don't know what it was. It used to have the little film roll that would go in the back. It's a real slim camera. One of the ones that you had to put like the flash cube on the top. Oh, yeah. And uh, I stole that, took it outside, took a pic. Um, actually, my friend took the pic. And then when she got that roll developed, I remember her being like, what is this? It was just mixed in with all <laughs> her photos. It's a picture of us with our machine guns in the woods. So I used to try to like – so the Polaroid is something I took a bunch of times because she – you know, I get the, I get the uh, picture right then. And so she didn't even know I took it, you know, unless she counted how many, you know, Polaroids she was down. So is this your first JoeCon coming up? I actually I went last year, but that was my first one last year. And I just attended last year 
And uh, I had an amazing time. You know, it was great. I didn't really know. I went by myself. I didn't know anybody um, other than maybe a couple people from Instagram that, you know, you kind of meet on social media. But other than that, I didn't know anybody. And then it turns out that my friend James White, who's a designer from Nova Scotia, Canada, and grew up with Sean, which is uh, Word Burglar, he was going to be there. So he told me to look out for him. And we met up the first day and hung out uh, with uh, Carson Metaxas, too, from 3D Joe's and a bunch of stuff, and we had a blast. I it was one of the best weekends I've had in a long time. So, so I was really looking forward to it this year, and uh, it's only like uh, two weeks away now. So, it's gonna be pretty cool. All right. Um, and I, I don't know like how circles run in GI Joe. Do you? Like, I don't know if the people that go to the con listen to Joe Berg stuff like that. But if if that is the case, um, I know you're doing a panel. Is there anything mm-hmm. you kind of want to say uh, to preview that? Maybe get people to uh keep their interest yeah well i'll be doing a toy photography panel it's going to be on the 18th which is sunday uh at 10 a.m in um i think it's called like pacific room a i believe is the spot i'm in and um it's going to be i'm pretty much just going to go through like my inspiration which is you know Joe uh, catalog photography and even some of the Euro catalogs, which I've gotten, like the Benelux catalogs, which are have way better photography than the uh, the North American versions, in my opinion. And then kind of take them through, obviously, like some of the photos I took years ago, uh, what I'm doing now. And then I'm going to go into some tips and things like rule of thirds, how to use light and composition and all that stuff. And then, uh, yeah, so if there's anybody out there who wants to, kind of learn or make their toy photography better or even get into it, I'll just give some tips and tricks on like how I do it. And not to say that I'm a total expert on it. I'm still learning as I go and I'm just kind of having fun with it. But there's some things I've learned that I think uh, could be beneficial for other people doing some photography too. It would be cool to see a side-by-side of like a G.I. Joe comic book cover and then that executed with action figure photography uh, Mm -hmm. to me. Like, <laughs> co- I think it's a, a wet dream uh, with with present uh, company included. I mean, we yeah, that is incredible. That is that that satisfies me on so many levels because what I want most from a comic book about a toy line is being true to those toys. I have no problem with uh, comic books and cartoons being toy commercials. I have zero problem with that. I'm like yeah. Sell me the toys. Yeah. I love these toys. I want to see Beachhead holding his Wasp machine gun. Like, I want to see that vehicle presented exactly the way I can buy it. I want that. So, to recreate a comic book with action figures, <laughs> where do I buy it? I would like to see, maybe, uh, since you mentioned Lifeline, I would love to see that special missions cover from toy photography. Mm. Uh, not not you by name, but just by practice. Uh but like I, where he's hanging upside down and then you could have out of focus October guard on the ground below. Yeah. That that's, was sick, dude. That would be, that's one of the best covers in the special missions without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, actually there's, there's a few people I've seen do kind of remakes of covers here and there on Instagram when I've been searching around. Um, one of the ones that was in my head, which wouldn't be too tough to do was I think it's issue 82 of the Marvel run where there's repeaters firing and there's the, the Viper behind him kind of coming back through trees with a knife in his hand. Um, that one. And then a little bit of Photoshop might, might come into play here, but you could do the, I think it's a couple issues later where it's 
Zartan's head and, and the two red ninjas are holding Cobra Commander kind of over the fire and he's facing Zartan's face. That one would be cool. So there's a few that have been on my mind, and so you're reading my mind on this. Um, there's some good ones out there. Even if I could get a Grim Reaper figure and give him that, like, M60, then I could do the issue 43, which is my favorite oh, wow. cover of all time. Dude, you have I just to do love, that now. Because <laughs> I just love the I, – I remember as a kid being like, I know what this means. Like, I don't need it to be literal. I know that there's death in this in this comic. You know what I mean? And it just – it, it was awesome. That's a bit of a tease, I'm afraid. Like, it's a G.I. Joe issue comic book cover that doesn't feature any G.I. Joes on it, and a kind of a rather nondescript, like, real-world um, machine gun. I'm mm-hmm. like, eh, eh, man, I want I want to see my toys. Come on, come on. For my, my outlook was, like, they always showed the toys, you know what I mean? So this one was, like, there's something special about this issue, you know, that they're not doing the typical thing. And that's what made me want it off the off the rack even more. It's going to be, like, something special inside this, you know? Well, that, that used to have the unique title in G.I. Joe comics as the only comic to not have a Joe on the cover. But luckily, Sitterson's comic had a Fatal Fluffy and a Transformer uh, on a cover. No G.I. Joe. So no yeah. longer an exclusive title. But actually, yeah. I agree. I would love to see that comic book cover. Steven, what, what comes to mind with you? What cover do you want to see? You know what would be funny is, I don't know if you guys noticed this. Do you remember the um, issue with Destro on the cover, the, the spoiler, and he's got the AGPs behind him? Oh, yeah, I think I'm looking that, at that right now. That was literally, obviously, the artist who did that cover just looked at the toy and drew it from the toy. Like, that's the most toyish-looking version of Destro I've ever seen. You know what I mean? That is literally like if you just traced a, well, a photo of the toy. Well, I'm an instant fan. G.I. <laughs> Joe on the page can go sideways real quick if the line art is too heavy. Because mm-hmm. it, it looks like a bunch of superheroes on the page. you got to be careful. Mm-hmm. And there's some good covers. I, I don't know. There's so many. The, well, Zach was, was the in only the zone. comic book. Yeah, Zach was. I mean, it was the only comic book I collected until I was in high school, you know. And then I got into X Men and stuff after that. But you know, it was pretty remember, much my introduction to comics was uh, GI Joe. If there was like a thrift store in the proximity, if my mom had to gas up or something, I had to make a break for that Spinner <laughs> comic rack, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, when that Snake Eyes series came out, oh man, where it revealed his face, that whole that like three part Snake Eyes trilogy or whatever. Oh man, oh yeah, it's like that was amazing. You know what I, you know what I was thinking I could do too. I don't know what do you guys think if if I put out there on social media like why don't you guys why don't people hit me up with something to create like suggest other people tell me what to make you know and then I'll try to recreate it because that might be fun you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well. Uh, 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 uh. My mind has been been racing, but I finally managed to catch up with it. I think it's issue twenty one of Special Missions. Twenty one. Twenty two. Oh, okay. is it eighteen? God, I don't know. Um, but, but I'll describe the events. Uh, it's an icebound mission where the cover depicts Snowjob, like basically flying past a cobra mm. wolf on his skis, yeah. dropping a satchel charge, and a very alarmed ice viper looking up at him so foreground is snow job yep like, it's issue 20 right issue 20. I know what you're yep fantastic and there's a toxic viper in there too yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and they are like flat panic because yeah so i can totally do that you take like um take tunnel rats satchel charge i can mm-hmm. take that you know what i mean use that 
get creative with it a little bit. Get some snow. You'd need some kind of smoke effect of something. I don't know. Yeah, no, there's. A, I've got a couple wolves, so and I've got the mail away version too with the black skis on it, so I could use that too. I'm actually building an Arctic diorama for for the yeah, inside here. That'll come in handy. Yeah, but it's it's a major undertaking. It's going to be huge. So because I want a few vehicles in, and typically I've been building little little dioramas on my desktop with like pizza boxes, so I can keep oh, them wow. contained. Um, wow. But this is going to be a major undertaking. So, but yeah, that I'll I'll work that into the Arctic scene for sure. What kind, what kind of pizza box? Uh, any anyone really. Literally, I'll order a pizza and then, and then save the box. And so sometimes it's a little one, you know, small pizza. Other times it's like a big one. But and then I I get like each o like if you go to the model train store, they have like the fake moss and stuff. Or if I go to like a garden center, I get the real like recolored reindeer moss and I get sand. I just I was, pour it in there and try to make a scene out of it. I was trying to find out what kind of pizza you like, man. Oh, uh, I'm joking around though. Um, decent pepperoni. <laughs> all right. I, I think if you were going to do that one uh, snow job cover, you'd have to get Jim involved, dude, because you'd have to repaint the ice ice viper's eyes like wide open. <laughs> a little Photoshop, maybe I do a little uh, robot chicken on it. Totally. <laughs> or not even Photoshop, just stick it on like pieces yeah. of paper. Yeah, <laughs> it's just coloring, coloring the eyes with a sharpie, like these big, big pupils. Boom. Yeah, and then Snowjob's not wearing his hat, or at least it's blown off his head. So I could use oh. maybe, uh, let's see. Well, see, he doesn't have the bobble. Otherwise, I could use long range. We need head cloth hoodies. Where are you at, Collectors Club? Did you guys have anything that you'd like to impart in closing? Well, there's the one thing that you uh, put on the agenda that I did remember, and that's oh. think of a Joe and a vehicle that you oh, like God. to put, put into the frame. I totally aborted that. I'm sorry. Well, it's our chance to get creative. Like, Steve, oh, like uh, color, the color combo stuff, right? Well, I come did, up I mean... with a, a, a color combo, perhaps, and also like a, almost a narrative that we'd like to see. Kujo, mm-hmm. I suppose, and it's my turn to catch you off guards. <laughs> Go for it. No, you go. Um, okay, I'll say this, and this might be a preview for uh, an episode to be had, but me and my lady were looking at color combos on screen. Um, and you know what? Just to tweak people, I think what I'd like to see, just to get weird, is I'd like to see a little sneak attack Dusty maybe creeping on a Night Viper. Just do a little color reversal, um, you know, normally we got those colors on the other team so i know it's not it's probably hideous to think about in your mind but it's unique and i wouldn't mind seeing something that weird so which dusty is that the the original the 85 one or a different one no that would be the blue clad dusty oh right sneak attack got it yeah that might be cool that's a good call i didn't even think about that. well those figures are kind of reviled by most of the collecting base aren't they mm-hmm. smurf patrol smurf <laughs> patrol yeah like the bazooka that's blue right yeah it's hard yeah. that's hard that's hard to swallow but the dusty kind of works i guess if you i think doing he, night looks, he looks cool i mean yeah you know if his name wasn't dusty i'd be cool True. you know when you think dusty True. you're like why isn't he sand color but you're right i think with some night night vipers it might be really cool i'm writing it down <laughs> I have one, guys, that I've wanted to do for a while, and I finally have enough troops to do it. And it's 
taking all right so you know those sonic fighter vipers the gold ones so now i've got a, a couple dozen of those so Gee, i've got a couple a, dozen yeah i've got like 20 something of them now God so bless america wow <laughs> well i accumulated needed a, gold vipers yeah and they're tough because sometimes the gold rubs off their wrist pads but i think most of them are in good shape so taking them as overlord's troops because he's like the same gold in that kind of color on his chest as their masks. And then the gold Rattler that came out in whenever it was, 97 or 2003 or whatever that was. And I have you lost these... me at Overlord, but continue. <laughs> 90, was it 91 Overlord, right? Uh, yeah. The guy with the monocle and the gold yeah, Well, no, I'm saying you lost me because like, oh. I think his, his design is just so weak. He's got right, like a... but big plain red shirt on or muscle sure. top whatever that yeah, is a rash vest he's terrible but if you pair him up in a nice color scheme like that i think i think they're made for each other so i'm pretty i'm pretty excited to do that shot actually there was and a gold I, rattler yeah there's he, a gold rattler it's uh like 2005 pretty, or 2002 like 2002 yeah. 2002 like, right bronze oh, yeah also, like hideous, but oh, it's wow. terrible. Yeah, it's you're, terrible. But you're the man. If you can resurrect that figure on that vehicle, <laughs> well, I'm not using the stickers that came with the vehicle because those are even worse. So I'm gonna get some uh, Rattler regular Rattler stickers from ToyHacks.com and use them on it because I have it in box. So I'm gonna nice open plug, it up. By and... way. Yeah, yeah, right. They're, they're Toy awesome. ToyHacks great for stickers. I, I get so much stuff from them. So, and then yeah. uh, I know everyone hates on the Basilisk, right? But it's the perfect Tomax and Zaymot chariot because it's the same colors as those dudes. I personally, I mean, like, this is really getting purist, but the modern represses of classic vehicles, the plastic just doesn't feel right. I'm like, oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of plastic. soapy. You know, it doesn't have the kind of mold sharpness that the original um, Snowcat or Tiger Cat have. I'm like. Uh... I don't want to put a classic G.I. Joe on it. So were you thinking modern era Tomax Zaymots? No, I because I, they, you know, that stuff, they, they're they taller, so they don't fit so well inside these vehicles, you know? So I, It's I awkward, use... man. It's an awkward square peg round <laughs> hole kind of situation. I, I, I have gotten to the point where I keep my vintage toys separate. They never mix. I've pulled every 25th anniversary vehicle away from my vintage collection i mean it's like just don't yeah put, put, yeah i, I don't have please. 50th stuff i don't have any 25th vehicles but uh but the foe striker is one of the best for sure that thing with the gas cans on the not that that's practical under gunfire but the gas cans on the uh on the hood look pretty sweet added value to a, a really formidable vehicle and also yeah. i could put it put it in a color scheme that made more sense I mean, why why is the dune buggy in green? I mean, it, it, the ore striker fits in with the rest of the vehicles, but like it really should have been in tan. Yeah, but it, it is all weather environment, right? So I guess yeah. they they plan to use that thing anywhere. So maybe that's why. Okay. Yeah, they should have just like they did with the vamp at the time, like done a done a tan version. Just, mm, yeah, just straight out great. the gates. Like Bam. yeah yeah exactly do the Austrike eighty five and eighty six do the do the tan one you know or something like that. 
Yeah, it would make perfect sense with the Mauler and with the Tomahawk. You had a sort of yeah. budding, budding team of desert, desert strike vehicles. Any hooch. Uh, I'm going to break us into the 90s and um, and say that the, the vehicle and, and figure combo that I that I pick out, because I'm a coastal boy, and <laughs> since you have no ocean, I presume, in, in Columbus, is that correct? That is correct. Oh, no. Man, this is, this is This is pipe dream stuff, but... Uh, you got a big I, lake, though. Yeah, there's a lot of water. We can we can find some water. Cool. Uh, well, I was oh, man. This is kind of it almost has to be maritime. It has to be oceanic. But uh, a very underappreciated vehicle that I happen to be a fan of the Barracuda Mini Sub, mm-hmm. which is blue and black. I was thinking like a a wave top, almost worm's eye view, or um, seagull bobbing in the water's eye view on that vehicle with version two shipwreck about to like dive off the the front end. Oh that's cool. Surf. Yeah. And that shipwreck has like cool um I mean his equipment gives him a lot of options. He's got that mm-hmm. rebreather that the moss kind of plugs into. You can either have that pushed up over his head or pulled down, ready to dive, you know, hand over the mask. Um but yeah, just like Seeing that vehicle sort of bobbing low in the water with, like, just basically the blue sky behind you, no land, nothing else in the frame whatsoever. I like the image of that, the sort of isolation of it. You'd want to you'd wanna fake it because you'd want to find some shallow water where it actually touched the bottom sure. so that it didn't sink while you're trying to shoot, and then uh, and then you could totally fake it. Yeah, that, I like it. I like the idea. Do you have uh, waterproof uh, equipment? I do not at this mm. point in time, so I'd have to be very careful. But uh, but you know they do make that stuff. I've already lost a camera to to water already last uh, end of last year. So it was uh, I was shooting graffiti somewhere and a bunch of water came. We were in an old subway tunnel, abandoned subway tunnel, and cool. a bunch of water came out from under uh, off the top. It must have been a crack because it was raining outside and. Just didn't hit anything but the top of my camera, and uh, and I tried to wipe it off, but that was it. It was it was done. No ways. Yeah, wow. that sucked. But it was 12 years old at the time, so it gave me an excuse. I was like, well, now I get to get a new camera, so <laughs> I, did, I had to save up for a little while, but it was worth it. I wow. shoot our, our our sort of action figure pics and uh, and YouTube videos with my mobile, uh, <laughs> and oftentimes get quite close to the water, so uh, I'm yeah. I've I've trained myself to be very very careful, but I, yeah, it's, it's gonna scary. happen. It's gonna happen. I'm it's I'm gonna get butterfingers, drop it into some shallow water, and that's it. Bam, get a new. Phone. Yeah, I, d- I dig your guys' YouTube videos too. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're amateurish but fun. That's they're fun. What I yeah. Pride myself on Speaking doing. Speaking of like, Wes Anderson, I got so bored shooting <laughs> toys in a studio. That's just like dull. And everyone else, you know, there are far more comprehensive reviewers out there who have access to far more toys. Oh, stop. Far far stricter (laughs) um, release schedule. You know, like, if you want to find something on their channel, you'll find it. They've done it. They've covered it at least twice. I didn't want to try and emulate that because there's no ways I'd ever be able to play catch up. So I've aimed at always just trying to produce, like, more interesting settings you know, take the toys out as they are intended and have them race through the environment. 
far as I know, there's only two names in the outdoor GI Joe game when it comes to YouTubes, and that's you and that yoga dude, Mike Mercy. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, uh, wait till you see us uh, do the defiant review from outer space. Yeah, that's gonna happen. I mean, for um, me, for me, like the reviews and stuff. I mean, there's lots of people on YouTube that do like toy reviews and things. You know, not just J. Joe, but in, in general, but it's all about the personality, you know, like you can it's I already know what the toy's about. I don't really need to see the review as much as I want to hear your take and your personality behind it. So that's what makes it interesting to me. It's not the production value necessarily, you know, not that it's bad. You know, I've seen much worse. Trust me. You know, did you did you have anything, any parting words? I know we're short a few men. Um, one of them's fallen ill. The other's in deep cover. Uh, Stephen, any parting words for yourself this evening? Uh, well, not not so much for myself. Uh, uh, it's, it's business as usual for uh, the South African contingent. I'm just going to wish you well on the convention panel, Paul. And Indeed. Fantastic talking to you, man. You are a welcome, welcome guest on G.I. Joburg. Whenever you feel lonely and you want to talk G.I. Joe with a bunch of uh, South Africans and a Yank, I'll introduce you to the rest of the team next time. Yeah, that but, sounds uh, awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I mean, this was great. I, I, I listen to you guys all the time. Favorite Joe podcast, hands down. So. Don't stop is, it. Yeah, stop it. For sure. know, brother. Um, it's uh, it's an honor to be on with you guys, and I'd love to do it again sometime for sure. Uh, it's time. It's time to hand out an animal companion, profiling GI Joe talent as we do in the social community. Oh. But I did. I did want to recognize. Let's see, Ronnie ghost i'm just gonna say that he's on twitter uh he's really the only joe uh poster from india i've encountered um defines himself as a militant atheist i'm gonna leave that alone but i couldn't give him a jesus lizard for obvious reasons but i will give him um what? as an animal except companion. for irony of course <laughs> well yeah but I-, I wanted to be friendly and say that his animal companion in the Joeverse will be a golden langur. And I hope I'm saying that right, but it's a very majestic monkey from India. Get to know him. And uh, appreciate your Joe tweets. He's always tweeting a, a fun school. I appreciate that. Cheers, brother. I'm out. And with that, I think it's a wrap on episode 89. Thanks for joining us on uh, this rather unexpected but very, very intriguing episode on toynography. Yeah, toynography. Oh, wow. I don't think I coined that, but... Uh, <laughs> Thank you for that. I, I, I've got no problem with that banner. I don't know, Paul. Do you think that's uh, cheesy as shit? No, it might be a, a hashtag I started adding to my Instagram shots. <laughs> oh, well, you're very welcome, then. <laughs> Thanks. All right, cool. Thank you, and good night. Uh, signing off from the West Coast. Uh, hit me up anytime at 86Cujo on Twitter. And, uh... Over and out from the Midwest, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Plastic Battles. Bam. 89.